happened uh, genuinely over the last month or two going through all the episodes of the show I've listened to. It's been a nice entry point into appreciating the fall more. Fantastic. Welcome to the Fallout Podcast, episode 45. No 80s reprobates, no laptop wankers. It's a futile fall showdown. All 525 songs going head-to-head in ultimate warrior showdown, split into four eras, etc., etc. Tonight, Medical Acceptance Gate versus Container Drivers, The Book of Lies versus Popcorn Double Feature, The Reckoning versus Everybody But Myself, and Full Sound versus Trust in Me. Joined, as always, by Monsieur Chippington B. Hard, Jim Morrison aficionado, who met Wade Boggs at a card show recently. How are you doing, Phil? I'm good, mate. I'm smelling of bleach in hospitals and just pursuing my dreams. Very good, very good indeed. And Lord Sage Temple, David Yao aficionado, Questa, Falkland, Bleaker, Phallocorax, Gurupa, Articeps, Shag. Hiya! <laughs> and T. Pemberton Walker, Lux Interior aficionado, Atacama Desert, the Lake District, the Wine Valleys, and Valparaiso. I'm good, yeah. I'm uh, enjoying this cup of coffee. Thank you very much, Mr. Brandon. Very good. And uh, Tiny Tim Trois heading southwest of Thunder Axe Fortress. <laughs> I am Treebeards. High is the risk of striking out, and high is the risk of getting hurt. And joined tonight by Macklemore Ampersand, aka Parsley Umbleish, aka Robert of the Bruce. How are the seventh. you? How are you, Robert McLeod? I can't describe it, uh, mainly because uh, I'm bad with adjectives. Very good. What about adverbs? Quickly, I can't think of any of them. Very good. Rob, have you ever heard of the fall before? I have heard of them. Spoiler, past spoiler. You and I worked together for a few years, and uh, you introduced me to a lot of their music. I've started to get into them, and genuinely, not to like kiss up to all you guys here at the start of the show, but been listening to the podcast lately, and I've appreciated this, I think, as the necessary entry point for me to kind of explore the entire what is it 35 year career of the band i like the way this has been going the competition between the songs and this is actually this podcast directly are the main reasons i even know about the band well, well that's good you said all the right things there robert so let's jump straight into the first song tonight Something not for the beginners. This is a an outtake from 1983 that only came out in the in the 90s, and it's called Medical Acceptance Gate. I work for future salary, the night shift in Spalding Street. The respect is worth it. One a.m. at the front gate. It had just been Sunday night. Stood this man tall but twisted back. He spoke loud and said, "Come out of there! The grill on the wall contains a crowl and that twisted shape you call the laundry post." Reminds me of my origin. Your so an outtake from the Slates era, magnificent record, but Philip, as is customary, coming to you first, 
Medical Acceptance Gate. Yeah, it's a bit of a lo-fi genus, isn't it? I had come across it before, which I think at the start of the week I was asking where it had come from kind of thing, but it's that strange collection of early stuff, isn't it, around about this era? It's got Musselary's Daughter on and stuff, and it's Carrie Grant's Wedding, all, all those kinds of weird early oddities that they that they put together. But it's I, I considering how simple and minimal and avant-garde it is, I still think that this has is, got some really interesting hooks going on with it, mostly from Mark the rest of it is just sort of textured in the background but he's got this sort of repetitive seven beat thing that he just keeps he he, he, he sticks to fairly um, fairly close all the way through and and just some of these really weird evocative lyric the smell of bleaching hospitals and the, and some of the, the other kind of weirder imagery that it pulls up but to me it's this is a prime example of how he can take something that other people would be it would be quite innocuous I guess you know a medical acceptance gate that bit in the hospital where a, a patient sort of gets moved over from porter to, to other responsibilities and it, it becomes this really either eerie or important phrase that is becomes elevated because of the context that he sets it out in i don't think it's good enough to go on slates i can understand why it's not on slates but it, I, I still think that this is um, a bit of an old jam indeed uh, i was looking at what slates would have looked like if they'd included all of the outtakes and singles around that side and as fantastic as it is that would have been a contender for their best album that included all of that stuff it's uh, magnificent Ezra what do you reckon? Well, it's a very interesting one, this. You know, last time we had Backdrop, which is another one of those kind of fall songs which is on the outer fringes of obscurity and only accessible to the most, like, twisted, maniacal, obsessive of the group. You know, with Backdrop, you can kind of understand why it's languishing only on a couple of live albums or whatever, because it's long in a period where they maybe had a had a surplus of very, very long songs. It's maybe not as musical musically exciting and some of some of the long songs that they got on some of the other albums whereas with this i do struggle to think of like why it got relegated to this like really very very lo-fi recording because it's very good it's excellent yeah you know i mean if it was shelved from slates why not release it as a b-side it's a very odd one and it, it's a real shame the lyric i've been enjoying but you won't fix my quartz chip or repair my broken kind Kindness, born of mousy brain, truth hit with kin of bitter world, vicious dreams of EC1 with Lapland girls and green birds, which crawl and chase through dug basements. Um, you know, that's quite high in terms of lyrical excellence. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking. It's a great song. It is indeed. I'm surprised that MR James hasn't been mentioned in any of these because it's got a really kind of macabre even though it doesn't mention anything particular it does kind of suggest that there's some kind of thing but it doesn't really talk about it in any terms but it reminds me of something like the mezzotint or something like that with a, of a mysterious thing hanging in the background that isn't really talked about Alistair what did this one do for you? Yeah I quite like it it's an interesting one got that kind of like eerie sound that's been uh, mentioned by uh, others kind of reminded me a little bit of, of Iceland and you know like the, the field to it but yeah the, the recording of it I was, I was wondering about that because it doesn't sound like it's the same kind of production as some of the other songs on Slate so whether or not it's been recorded in a different studio 
know with different producers. I've no idea about the backstory, but it'd be interesting to know about it. Yeah, quite like the uh, plinky plonky side to it and the uh, the vocal delivery, as Phil kind of mentioned, it's like dead stripped down, dead minimal, dead repetitive, dead laid back, very nice. And I wasn't sure if it was like, is it piano or is it picking at the head of the guitar that's making the plinky plonky sound? I don't know, it's the same kind of sound they got on Autotech and it also on Sleep Debt last week. It's It doesn't appear very often. I, I, I reckon it's the head of the guitar. Yeah, I think that's it, but I struggle to differentiate between the two. But yeah, at the end, we just the drums and the guitars quite nice as well. So all in all, uh, I don't think it's quite as strong as some of the other songs from that era, but it's definitely uh, got its own unique take on things. Yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised if, if it had turned up on something like Room to Live. It would have almost fit in that. Very Room to Live material, yeah, yeah. yeah. Robert, how about this one for you? I'm imagining it, it's not one you've come across before. It was not one that I'm aware of that I've come across before. This one grew on me. When I first listened to it a few weeks ago, made my notes, I said, this is the kind of fall that I just don't get. And I gave it maybe five or six more listens. And then my revisions this morning say, uh, it sounds like how bad fluorescent lights feel when tired on the eyes at 1am. Very <laughs> atmospheric. And I'm now sold on it. And actually, I quite like Medical Acceptance Gate now. And in trying to think of something that it's reminded me of, it kind of reminded me like of two Velvet Underground songs. So just that kind of repetitive drumming thing droning from like heroin but also a lesser known Velvet Underground tune Ocean and I felt like if you kind of combined those two together it's like somewhere in that kind of ballpark of, of atmospheric but yeah as I'm getting to know the falls kind of full range of sound it's like this kind of falls into that genre of haunting more atmospheric and about the overall aesthetic than any one particular piece like not just the riff not just the drums not just the vocal focus it's like all the pieces together just create that kind of cool fall aesthetic that I really like. And me not being so well versed in the band or growing in my understanding of the band, I went through each song today and tried to find uh, the database of how often these songs have been performed and when, because I'm a huge setlist nerd when it comes to bands that I'm into. And according to setlist.fm, the song has never been performed live. Not surprising, perhaps. I'm not sure how it would translate into a live setting. Yeah, and they do have some weird ones that you wouldn't think they played live but had like 70 outings or things like that but yeah this one didn't get its time in the sun unfortunately which is which is crazy because you know for what the lyrics are worth I'm going to read some more because they're splendid and unfortunately it's up against a monster so I don't know if we'll get another chance to revisit it I work for Future Salary the night shift in Spalding Street the respect is worth it 1am at the front gate Saturday night stood this man tall and twisted back he spoke loud and said come out of the the grill on the wall contains a crowl and that that twisted shape you call the laundry post reminds me of my origin your crisscross fences or avenues and we got back to practice time but his, his hands went through the man he was made of liquid pitch his legs two smoke pillar sticks crisscross fence posts were his eyes his mouth red like a twisted gate he reeked of bleach in hospitals that to me sounds way more like Macken than okay. Emma I'm not denying the macabre sort of thing about it, but the actual word because he, he was a member of the Macken Society yeah, yeah. In that extra K book, there's some letters that have gone back and forth. So he definitely was well versed in the, in that uh, stuff. But just absolutely amazing to see, like 20 ideas of listening to the fall, and then it just pops up, and you're like, oh yeah, unbelievable. And last week with sleep debt snatches that we didn't really know. It's like oh, just the depth of this gush, gush, gush. It's interesting because it, it's quite obviously lyrically driven. This there's there's no sort of apart from that high pitch, whether it is 
is headstock of a guitar or a piano. I'm, I'm not sure either. I, I had it down as piano, to be honest with you, but mm. it's it's a poem, isn't it? It's like a prose poem that he's, he's delivering, and there's just this sort of wash of atmosphere over the top of it. But it is, um, like you say, it is up against a bit of a gargantuous beast next. Mm. So the, the, the antithetical suggested it might be linked to Peter Hamill's uh, Institute of Mental Health burning off from off one of his solo albums so he's obviously from phonograph generator and we've we've had a couple of uh, references in the past to hamill even though such a weird influence to come from that proggy kind of stuff but i listened to the song and it does make some sense maybe what does timothy think of this i didn't know this before now and it has been a treat that said it's not a finished track in my opinion but the skeleton is there with some more development this could be a top tier piece of atmospheric mantra is this form a bit aimless it's doesn't he Timothy but it is up against as we have said kicker containers and the drivers off grotesque 1980 come on Philip do the honours Good Lord. Good Lord. Ezra, good Lord. Well, you know, bugger me senseless. Is, if this isn't one of the best things of all time ever, uh, I, I, I just, I can't get into how much I love this track so much. You know, like, if it comes on, I will listen to it two, three, four more times in a row. I think it's just fantastic and yeah why do i think it's fantastic i don't know i I think that like one of the things that is really great about this track and also kind of exemplifies the fall at the best is the fact that this is the way that you talk about a subculture without like valorizing it you know without any kind of opinion he's just like fucking talking about it and it, it it's just wonderful i mean bad indigestion bad bowel retention speed for their wages sometimes torn shirt sleeves they're the containers and their drivers fiery jacks a distant relation communists are just part-time workers and there's no thanks from the loading bay ranks they are the containers and their drivers look at a car park for two days it it just contains all the grayness all of the grayness all of the grayness and I love that phrase communists are just part-time workers I've spent years years trying to work that out like I think on the annotated four what is it like they say oh well you know these communists they like to organize labor activists and so they just you know they just show up at some shit job start a union and fuck off possible that's true yeah otherwise i don't know but this song it it fills me with such glee me too (laughs) alistair how much glee does this song fill you with it's uh, quite a bit of glee really yeah it's a classic quite interesting what Ezra was saying about the lyrics because it is dead sort of like down the pub hanging around with a couple of people who've been uh, driving lorries and uh, you know picked up on uh, just the, how boring it can be and then spreading it out in a song kind of thing he used to do but I think this was on um, Frank Skinner's Desert Island Disc Selection 
for me, there's better fall songs. It's up there, isn't it? Uh, there's some great guitar noise on there. I love the, the vocal sort of shh kind of stuff going on in there. You know, considering it's quite a normal trucking type R&B thing to start with, they, they do keep on chucking in the odd bit of noise just to fuck it all up. And there's some lovely, great big uh, snare fills in there as well. So I'm definitely not complaining. Oh, Two drummers in the room. We're going to have a good old chat about that snare, Phil. Philip Rigby. What about you, though? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's it's got tons of energy about it, hasn't it? It's a it's a little nugget in terms of having that rockabilly energy about it, but it's it's also very there's a lot going on in a very compressed amount of time. Loads of character about it. I think he's referencing his only proper job, isn't it, around Salford Keys and stuff. And he's gonna he's gonna have been bumping into drives all the time there. I would have thought the the, the penthouse. He jumps out at me is where he just goes arrow, arrow, roll on, roll off. Which is like it's another one of them observational kind of lyrics, isn't it? It's another bit of trade talk. It just slips in so naturally. And then I was trying to work out last night, which me about whether there's a special effect, a noise that they put on the top, which would be quite in keeping with trucker songs. There's a, there's always like sort of car noises and things like that going on in trucker songs so and that in and of itself is a beautiful genre to get into and i you showed a collection of trucker songs earlier this week in the bunker you know which uh, took me down memory lane for a little bit as in one of my previous bands we had a, a trucker song obsession for a while going up but yeah it's brilliant sweet sweet robert about this one yeah obviously quite liked it uh from what i've heard so far not a lot of fall songs with like a 12 bar structure and a country two-step bass line it kind of reminded me of like late 60s early 70s up-tempo bob dylan stuff where it's just like you've talked one or two of these kinds of songs into your album and it's got this kind of like you know beat poetry type thing happening over a very traditional structure no real chorus like something he kind of returns to but really liked it structurally and just when we're talking about uh, trucker songs there i made a note like it's it's not romanticizing the trucker life which i feel a lot of songs from the 60s 70s even into the 80s the north american trucker songs do you know the kind of six days on the roads by dave dudley and that kind of thing and it was like oh i like that it's just actually with the boredom of this and not romanticizing missing home or things like that. Alistair, you mentioned the snare fill. To me, the snare fill at like 150, to me, it just sounded like something that Ween would do. Like it goes on for like eight beats instead of the four, which is what you'd expect. And it's almost like I expected it to go for four more. Like it was really like almost like some techno buildup. And it was like, it was just comedic where it ends. Yeah, you don't, you don't see it coming, you don't see it going. <laughs> exactly. And then like the next verse kind of like, like stumbled for like two bars until it kind of all comes back together and absolutely love that and clear that the band liked it too I found that it seemed that like 60 times was a real barrier uh, in terms of how many times The Fall would play a song I only found 21 songs in their entire catalogue that they played more than 60 times and this is one of them they played it 62 times off and on throughout 1980 to 84 but not in 83 then it reappeared 14 years later in 97 and then a few times 2012 2013, uh, and then just a single show in 2016 at the Garage in London. We all seem to like it. The band seemed to like it, that it would show up off and on through it there. But yeah, sort of that John Spencer Blues explosion, cramps meets Ry Cooter sound, great hand claps, later doors with Jim Morrison. Hey, I see what you the box. Jesus Lizard, Cam? Yeah, bit of that ah, too. Very good. But I didn't subject you to this, Robert, but I actually shared a 2016 version of this with the, with the boys. I th- 
Later Smith doesn't quite hit it with the same vigor as this era. But yeah, this is magnificent. Country and Northern, as they call it. The chugger that gets right in with a forceful mez delivery and the slipping of the containers and the drugs like slipping in and out of time with the with the rhythm is beautiful. And, and like you said, um, Alistair, it's like it's r- trucking along, but then there's a bunch of like noise just comes in when the guitar and, and piano towards the end seem to be having some kind of fight. Then it fades out. It does not outstay its welcome. It's just like three minutes. It's done and dusted. It's fantastic. I did look into the speed for wages and um, led me into some dark places on the internet to suggest that truck drivers these days uh, take crack rather than speed because it gets out of the system quicker so you can pass that drug test. Net cap of five, eight thousand pounds. They sweat on their way down, report with customs, bastards hang around like clowns at our containers and their drivers magnificent i was just going to say about the um the guitar solo in it as well it's got like a carl perkins-esque sort of chord led guitar solo which you don't hear very often in, in fall stuff the weird thing was there was a two bar solo it looks like they're going to launch into a solo and then he plays something for like two bars and then smith comes back in and then about like 30 seconds later then they go into an actual solo which again if you listen to scanlan on the their old brother he he's dead against 12 bar blues he's like a couple of times he brings up like i didn't want to play anything that was like 12 bar blues i was also going to say like in terms of not critiquing the subculture i'm into cb is the flip side of this where he just rips the piss to some to some degree and this is more a straight down the line tribute i guess what does tim three think of this song Got to be in contention for overall winner. Pure energy, brilliant and funny lyrics for the head and the feet in the best possible way. Oh, la la, he's calling it. He's calling it. Called it. He's called it already. So sad, a sad vote going to be happening right here, I think. But um, it's got to be done. Ezra, M-A-G or C-C-D? <laughs> Well, you know, I did I did appreciate the medical acceptance gate a great deal. And I felt like Rob really nailed that gate to the to the mast of the wall. But yeah, you know, obviously it's gotta be the containing drivers. The the group thought so. I think so. With any luck, my children also think so. Aye aye. Um Alistair. Yeah, I'll have to go with container drivers. I think it's uh, it's just too good. It is too good indeed. Philip? Well, it's been a difficult decision. Everyone's tried very, very hard. It's, uh, and I, I just like to say, I think we're all winners, really, aren't we? But unfortunately, yeah. there does have to be a decision. It's containers, of course. It is containers. Bloody containers, isn't it? Robert? It's a David and Goliath story and today Goliath takes it. Container drivers. <laughs> exactly. Tim three. Uh, unsurprisingly, containers. It is a route. I'm going for containers, even though I really love the uh, medical gate and it is going to appear well, in don't my... worry, Brendan, because in about five years' time, exactly. we'll Those be are... able to uh, go through Second Chance Saloon. Second Chance Saloon Part 2. Don't, no time to turn around again, etc., etc. But, <laughs> but the song we've all been waiting for, the Kenny Brady vocal-led Book of Lies from Shiftwork, 1991. So looking forward to this. Do you want me to play the whole thing? I do. I do indeed. Is that enough? That's fancy. A bit more. A bit more. Hey, 
going. A few weeks ago, I was listening to this and it came on and I haven't heard it for many years. And I was like, oh, oh, good Lord. I can't wait for this to turn up. And uh, lo and behold, it has. Um, Alistair, the book of lies. What's it do for you? Well, Brendan, it's not an easy lesson, is it? That one? The book of lies. <laughs> it's it's just dead off back sounding. Gonna look for any positives. You know, you could say there's a nice tremolo effect going on. The bridge bit reminds me a bit of '96 Tears, but it's just not inspiring at all. Drums are really boring as well. Uh, I don't have really a I've had to be made to play that. Hopefully, they never did, never did it live. Oh. I'm sure Robert will tell us how many times they've played it live. Um, maybe this will help draw back the curtain a little bit, Alice. So Mark Smith in an interview said, the book of lies is about lies. And if that helps you. Ah, of course. Of course <laughs> it all makes sense. Robert, what about the book of lies? For you? We get straight to business. Only performed twice, both times in 1991, once in Manchester, once in Amsterdam. And I put a question, not much faith in this tune from the band, possibly, on that tour. When listening to this, it seemed comedic again that this is even a fall song. Like, it sounded like something you'd hear in the background of, like, a 90s romantic comedy. And I, like, had this little, like, moment of just thinking there's some savvy Hollywood producer who could have just snuck this into, like, a montage scene and helped the band out a bit. Like, I just picture this being on the So I Married an Axe Murderer soundtrack, like, right alongside Two Princes by the Spin Doctors. It's got that, like, fun, positive, major-keyed 90s vibe with almost, like, Elvis Costello keyboards and that little descending bit there. It was only when I listened to it again with headphones on that I realized, like, the bass line just stands out as being completely dissonant. And I just wrote, like, hitting the wrong notes. Like, they'd recorded it once and then re-recorded it in a different key, and but, like, didn't change the bass line. But it didn't jump out to me at first. But once I listened to it with headphones on, it was just ringing on me. Say what we will about the song, I felt as simplistic as the lyrics are, it's a pretty honest and sober assessment of the problem of dishonesty in a bad relationship. I don't like what I'm doing to you. You don't like what you're doing to me. You don't listen to anything I say or anything you promise to do. So why should I? The Book of Lies. Literally, that is the note. Somebody left him as they were leaving him and he, and he walked in the studio the next day and sang it. And that's the life of Marquis e. Smith. At 258, he massively outstays its welcome. Kenny Brady, who was the violinist on that album, was, was asked to sing and he really is trying. You can say that this lad is, he's, there's no irony in that vocal. He is really trying his best to sing that Book of Lies vocal. And it almost, it almost feels like it, it um, gets Mez going and he has a go of singing because it's the most nuanced singing I have ever heard from Mez. It's awful. These two lads are really going for it and it is not working. The cabaret turnaround also doesn't resolve so that it goes into this chord at the end that, that just leaves you hanging. And is that intentional? You'd have to say at this point with Scanlon and Hanley, you know, 20 years in nearly, that the, the 
they're they're doing that on purpose. It's beautiful and horrible in in all of its ways, but it is endearing. It grew on me a lot. I'm going to Phil Rigby next because I think it grew on you as well. Well, I, I've only written one thing down about this, which is how can a, how can a song this dull be this catchy? Because I did find myself singing that book of lies. Like, all, all, all week, it's, I've caught myself singing that. So it is, and there is something quintessentially fall about being able to generate a hook from nothing. Um, I mean, I went, my disappointment was the fact that I went into this thinking, oh, that song based on a Crowley book. This, this should make for interesting. <laughs> and it's like, I wonder if this is something that could have gone on Dragnet or that macabre sort of, and it's just not at all. It's like, like, uh, like Rob was saying, it's just bright, nice sunshine, isn't it? It's not a song that I would choose to put on, but I will say that it has given me a lot of enjoyment this week because it is quite funny to listen to. <laughs> so bad it's bad and it's good that it's so bad. What about Ezra? Lots of time for this. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, like, as Phil was saying, the Book of La... <laughs> was a book that I actually quite like. And, you know, I read it a bit in my time. I don't have a copy right now, but at a certain point in my life, I was regularly referring to that book of lies. So, yeah, I was very enticed at the idea of a song about the book of lies. Um, and then this came on and I was just like, well, I suppose he's really kind of demystifying magic here. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think Crowley would think of this tribute to his masterwork? <laughs> I'm sure he'd masturbate all over it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it's not without its redeeming features, as, as has been mentioned, it, it is somehow catchy but at the same time atrocious and i do like those things together more power to them for being shameless into the world i guess at the final you know in the final exactly exactly <laughs> can't argue with that do as thy will what about timothy three <laughs> so his comment is three words one of which are the f is the f-bomb <laughs> Just fucking awful. <laughs> Fair enough. He doesn't have time for this shit, does he? Well, I, it's interesting because he's going to be forced to decide because it's up against the Searchers cover popcorn double feature featuring the lad from Jesus Jones on guitar. So let's have a listen to that, shall we? Got a lot of work to do with this one now. Isn't it? Absolutely useless but beautiful cover. 
I really like it. It starts off sounding a lot like I'm Frank from the same album and a standard karaoke track with the lad from Jay Jones on it. Beautiful melody. I don't think I've got anything more to say than I liked it a lot. And that video of Johnny Vegas singing it just made it better. But way down in the list of necessary things that somebody needs to ever hear. Alistair, where does your integrity stand on this? Um, God knows. It's an alright song, isn't it? I I quite like it. It's a fall cover. Um, Definitely worst covers out there. You got the, the funny farm phrase in there, which is a bit on PC, and even was then, I think. But the original version of, of Popcorn's a pretty cool pop song, really. And uh, I think that, you know, the version that the fall did sits really well on Extra Care. I think Mash is uh, doing a bit of overtime on this one. And uh, you got Mez doing the sort of like very laid back, almost Lou Reed esque delivery. I quite, quite like it. What's the, the Jesus Jones connection? Did you just sort of like wander in the studio or were they, were they made to? Well, somehow I know more about this than I ever need to, but there's an interview somewhere. I think when I was researching Extra Care for one of our specials, somebody was interviewing Jesus Jones, the lad, Mike, Mike Edwards, I think his name was in. Apparently, he knew Craig Leon, who was, who was producing it, and they were next door, so he brought him in and uh, got him to drop a guitar line on it. But uh, for me, it doesn't have that classic Jesus Jones flavour, so I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not sure whether it really added anything to it. Big selling point in the Jesus Jones feature. <laughs> um, Robert, what does this one do for you? It's a unique one, especially when, you know, it has its back up against the wall, against the book of... Uh, the Searchers only played the song once in their entire career, but The Fall played it 13 times all in 1990. But uh, if you are a set list nerd like me, it was announced on the Searchers website. They will do a further farewell tour in 2023. So there's hope for us yet to hear the Searchers do this one live. Uh, Musically, production wise, to me, this sounded like those weird 1980s recordings of like classic 1950s and 60s songs when CDs came out. And like, you know, Percy Sledge would go back into the studio and re-record When a Man Loves a Woman, but with all like 80s instruments and stuff like that. Like I could actually imagine the searchers being brought back into the studio to like redo the music and throw new vocals on it. And like Marky Smith just steals the track and then like puts his vocals over it or something like that. Having listened to the show, I know that covers are not supposed to go through, but maybe I could take this point to just throw out two questions to you guys because I'm really curious about how you think, or perhaps you know how Mark or the band decide upon what songs to cover and why. Because in my growing understanding of the band, I've kind of found three categories, which are either like covers that fit their sound, covers that are like done tongue in cheek, or covers that are done with kind of like a weird repurposing or something like that. I, I think your, your categories are probably spot on. I think part and parcel of that vibe that you get into in a band, isn't it? And you just, you learn songs to to write so you learn songs to kind of learn the rules don't you of of how to write songs this is my best guess is that sometimes you learn a song and you think well that's actually quite clever that isn't it or there's something about it that kind of really chimes with you and you think oh fuck it i'm going to do a cover of that because it's because you enjoy it on a different level because you've got that intimacy with it so i i I suspect there's something of that i think some of it is just is them just being a bit perverse isn't it and and kind of just picking tunes that uh that's the idea of it sounds silly to the more novelty a tune is, they tend to put more effort in, I think. A lot of bands will do the covers 
because that'll get him an easy hit or whatever. And that was the accusation when they did Victoria and Ghost of My House is hardly you know, gonna, gonna get you a hit, but that was kind of the accusation. But then they carried on doing two or three on every album since then. Yeah, the lad last week, Stefan suggested that the Groundhogs cover they did was to maybe to point people towards the Groundhogs, but I don't know if Smith ever thought, well, I don't know what rhyme or reason there might have been to it, but um, they never did a covers album or a set of covers. It was always like throw in two or three specific songs into a set or, or like a you know a, a circuit band would do their own songs like you go to see Jerry and the Pacemakers in the like the 90s and they do all their own songs and then they throw in like Searchers songs or uh, or a Stone song or whatever that's a good point that because it changed a sea change that happened following Please Please Me with the Beatles wasn't it because you had most bands would do songs written by other people and then Please Please Me marked a bit of a change because there were so many original songs on it by a band who wrote their own songs and then after that all the there was a run of Beatle albums where there's like one or two covers on it isn't there and it's like it does set that expectation of and it is probably cabaret isn't it it's that cabaret approach of, of how you entertain a crowd and keep the keep the energy sort of live or different as you're going through stuff so yeah what's this one do for you phil the uh, popcorn effigy well I'm, I'm not particularly familiar with the searches tune can i play 30 seconds of the searches tune yeah something? yeah Everybody's going through changes Everybody's got a bag of his own Everybody's talking about places Can only be found in the greater unknown People are flying, babies are crying Don't nobody care at all There's love and there's laughter and good hey, Those strings are beautiful. Yeah, very nice. I was just saying it's a really brilliant pop song said it before but uh, I'll say it again I'll never say it too many times the searches were massive though I mean the, as a Mersey beat band it, the sweets for my sweet needles and pins um, sugar and spice they were, they were big top 10 hit the fall version when it first starts off reminded me of like Prince or something with those keyboards like Raspberry Beret or something like that it's got that kind of feel to it but for, for me, it kind of runs out of puff a little bit, this song. It's, it gets about a minute in and it just feels like they've used all the best ideas up and they, they get a bit bored with it themselves or, or Mark sounds like that. So it's nice. I quite like the music that they've done with it. But for me, it just kind of runs out of, uh, runs out of steam a little bit. This mm. Yeah, yeah. Ezra, what, what this one, uh, did it tickle you? It tickles me immensely, yeah. I mean, it, it's an interesting thing, the Fallen cover version. And I do broadly agree with what Rob posited there. I would also add, and maybe not so much with this, but maybe also so much. I think a lot of it was Marky e. Smith's kind of autodidactic, like, you know, this is proper music. You fucking idiot should be listening to this because it's proper good. You know, like I'm reminded of like anecdotes of his uh, wedding with Bricks. <laughs> where he chose chose the music for the reception and no one was dancing. And I'm, I'm sure that it was a great... I'm sure I would have been dancing. Popcorn, I mean, to start off with, Popcorn Double Feature. Is this Marsha Schofield's finest hour or what? You know, the synth brass is par excellence. I just, you know, like every time I hear it, I want to like 
just kiss my fingers and blow it into the air because I just love those parts. And yeah, it's a lovely song. And, you know, it was used to such wondrous effect in that great sitcom, Ideal, which I loved a great deal. So it's got a lot of kind of emotional resonance for me. Indeed. Marsha Schofield or Marsha, as we've come to know her, is quickly becoming the unsung hero of the Fall podcast. If you're out there listening, Marsha, drop us a line. I'd love to have you on. What does Tim 3 think of this? He's pot, he's Team Nagel, apparently. Yeah, I mean, she's um, good too, right? <laughs> Popcorn, dreary and bland, furidine features. But it is better than Wokablar. Highs. Right, so it comes down to a vote between the book of lies and uh, Popcorn Double Feature. Um, Alistair, which way are you going? Well, um, I'll cover through, can I? Um, <laughs> oh, it's going to have to be book of lies. Um, Alistair, <laughs> I'm not sure you've just done, done it right. Philip, what do you think? I, I cannot. I cannot. <laughs> Book of Lies. <laughs> Popcorn. Ooh, all la, the way. Is, is <laughs> our dream's coming true, Ezra. I'd love to hear, you know, like, um, I don't know, Frank Orange or something do a slow jam of Lies. But I'm not going to vote for it. I'm voting for Popcorn Double Feature. Uh, I don't know if Frank is a is a fall fan. I wouldn't put it past him. Got an eclectic range out there, hasn't he? What about Robert? Can we put through the Searchers original version of Popcorn Double Feature? Oh, no, I've seen Break the Rules. No. No. These, you, okay. you, you can't come on here and start pulling those kind of tricks. That's, that's right. for these seasoned pros to try. Although it's taken a lot of knocking, I am going to lean towards the Book of Lies because it is just that catchy. It is indeed. And so it's 2-2. Two, two. And um, what does Tim 3 think? Tim 3 as Book 0, Popcorn 0. 0.5. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Louise. Well, I, given that I share initials with this song, what else could I do but go through Popcorn Double Feature? I'm joking. It's Book of Lies. We're going to the fingers. I need a pen. I need a pen. I need a pen. All right. Okay, so first up, the Book of Lies. Get a fucking calculator. Get a calculator to do it properly. You always fuck it up. All right, point one. For Book of Lies, point one from, from Tim. Now, everyone else, you know this, the drill. It's out of three. Off, off you go. Book of Lies. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine point one. And the other one. That's a zero. Popcorn double feature. Let's go. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That takes us to nine. And therefore, the Book of Lies. Did you goes, Timothy Twas? He got zero. He gave it zero. Zero point five. Oh, popcorn. Th- then popcorn wins. All right, popcorn goes. <laughs> In your face, loser. Uh, up next, the reckoning of middle class revolt. Coming. 
Now, next week, we're going to do a special and, and Middle Class Revolt's going to be in it. And we've we've crapped all over Middle Class Revolt, but it starts with 15 ways, then Reckoning, Behind the Counter, M5, and Simone All Obstacles, all of which I love. And then War is in there as well. And quite like Hey Student, maybe it deserves more love than it's got but see shall we alistair what do you reckon of the reckoning well uh middle class revolt is definitely not my favorite fall lp by a long shot but the reckoning's quite nice um there's quite a nice feel to it a very kind of like uh the, the romantic sounding smith in effect on this one it's quite repetitive but there's lots of nice things going on in there since reminds me like a bit of Joy Division, like with the sound of it, the progressions, like the feel to it. It's like kind of Phil might agree or disagree, like, but you, you tend to mention Gains for quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, it does remind me a bit of Surge. But then, then you've got like the kind of birdsy guitar that's going on. It's, it's not groundbreaking or spectacular, but it's definitely not unpleasant. And there's some nice riffs that, you know, kind of meander, completely inoffensive, quite pleasant at times. Aye, aye. Philip? Yeah, I so I'm one of the lone defenders. I think of this uh, this album purely and simply because of um, it was it was one that I had when I was I was getting into the fall. So um, I really really like this song. I think it's it is gentle and it is inoffensive and all those uh, things that normally get used as pejorative uh, phrases on this podcast. But I think it's really quite beautiful and tender, and I, I, I think it's uh, it's it, it, on that album as well. It's it's one of the better produced tracks, which I do. Think Thing is it is what lets that album down it's a little bit flat the production on it isn't it but this kind of shimmers like the music so it just glistens as it's as it as it drifts along and i think the the light touch chord changes in it work really well i think the lyrics are uh, um quite vulnerable and in a way that exposes that softer sides and quite clever as well nice bit of wordplay going on with it so and I, I i think the guitar at the at the start of it is is really special it's really nice so yeah it's good for me i, I like this one nice nice it is beautiful and that picked guitar there's not much of that in the fall and I, I wondered if that was if that was scanlon because he definitely has it in his kind of arsenal but he rarely uses anything like that which is it's is strange Ezra, what's this one do for you? It's nice. It's nice. It's one of the songs that I didn't feel like I had enough time to really sit with. It's all about his exploits, isn't it? And having an affair and then like deciding not to have an affair or to continue the affair. You know, it's nice. That's all. It's nice, isn't it? Robert, how nice do you think it is? think it's very nice. Uh, middle class revolt might not be well loved amongst the group, but I think Phil and I, perhaps we need to uh, spend a bit more time together. I'm with Phil. I like the wandering, kind of tender, meandering nature of this. Has kind of 90s Sonic Youth pavement vibes, which I quite like. Even more so, Brennan, you sent me the Peel version, and I liked it even more. I felt like whatever is good about this song was expanded and accentuated on the Peel version of this tune. Quite liked it. Uh, not only Sonic Youth and pavement, but I need to do a little bit of Canadiana here. There were hints of minor keyed, tragically hip songs. A few of the chord changes similar to their song Springtime in Vienna and the Depression Suite. Uh, and apparently the band liked it. They played it 27 times across 93 and 94, and in fact started performing it even before it was released in 1994. So clearly the band thought it's worth getting out to the public's ears. And I believe this song has Brennan's favorite lyric, which will lead me to a question to throw back to you guys. The lyric being, and you're sleeping with some hippie halfwit who thinks he's Mr. Mark Smith. And I'm very curious, what would a half 
wit, hippie Mark E. Smith be like? Because to me, the little I know, Mark E. Smith seems to be the opposite of a hippie to me. Well, let me just say, Robert, when I heard that lyric in the in the 90s, it hit home pretty hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, t- I did take it personally, which is why I've tried my best to get over um, essentially the most perfect description of me that I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> I thought he was actually singing about you. That was that was my takeaway from this song. Yeah, well, it's I, clearly I'm Brendan. Exactly. Um, At first, I thought he was singing about me, but now I understand he was singing about you. Well, I let you go first, Ezra, because I imagined that you would cite those lyrics because they are beautiful, and I'm going to I'm going to say them anyway. Um, I phoned you from Dallas, but your heart was still in marble, and your head was reckoning. Your friends are discompassmentist, and like most in leather jackets, are coveting, and you're sleeping with some hippie halfwit. Who thinks he's Mr. Mark Smith reckoning? It's beautiful. That nice picked intro and the bluesy in its own way. And it's got this this beautiful mix, like you say, Phil, the, the middle class result is, is criticized for its production, but the layers, the kind of flange or phase or whatever's going on in those kind of guitars and this light percussion, this cyclical kind of melody, it's absolutely beautiful. It's one of my favorite fall tracks um which means it's almost certainly going out but um i love it what does tim think of it <laughs> it just leave that to see what he was up against to see whether i would walk for it just to be sure <laughs> what is this show doing to us right in all my slating of mcr i forgot this track existed and I quite like it. Sort of minor and introspective. Great indie-ish riff. And really great bass line. Lyrics not bad too. Fine stuff. It is up against everybody but myself, which... And I, I didn't cheat to make Reckon Up put against a weak song. But when I heard everyone but myself, I thought, shit, this is actually pretty good. So let's have a bit of a listen to Everybody But Myself off of Levitate. So just a few weeks ago, Ezra was was bemoaning the fact that on my own, the jazzy number from this era didn't manage to get through. But then, as is the uh, want of the fall, the same song pops up on a completely different album. So Ezra, everybody but myself, aka on my own, what do you reckon? Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. I love that house house vibe that the fall get into. Normally, I hate house, but, you know, when the fall do it, it really is house, whatever that means. Um, 
<laughs> I love the way they come in and, and he's quoting, or I'm not sure what the timeline is, but he did this great single with, um, with Dose, who produced the album called Plug Myself In, which is um, something that I bought at the time and I really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, the lyrics, as I recall them, are something like, glasses are broken, I just can't seem to plug myself in. And so here he goes, I can't seem to plug myself in, plug myself in, appliances are broken. I don't want to know. Fix them. Do me a favor. Cut your lip and shut up. And it's a beautiful tune. And when it kicks in with those wheezing, wheezing asthmatic keyboards, was that Marsha or Julia? We're in Levitate, so this is Julia. Marsha's well done by this point. Yeah, yeah. Anything that wheezes is something I'm going to like really at the end of the day and so yeah this this tune combines house and wheezing yes so there was that short period of time as they started recording levitate in 97 where he was walking working with those two lads who were dose uh, or inch depending on what they were going under at the name and they were they worked for pete waterman so they were pete waterman's lads who then came on board and did a couple of songs and then he fired them they fell out but the songs they did were great and um i don't know to what extent they were involved with this but it's a really nice tune robert what does this one do for you not a whole lot there's a lot of good pieces here i do like you know when they do that switcheroo where they start a song with the live thing and then switch into a studio or some alternate version. And I was kind of curious where this live bit of it might have come from. Research says they only played the song five times between 97 and 98. Um, I do. I love the description of asthmatic wheezing keyboards because that was probably like my favorite thing about it is just that transition. And when it first kicks in, it had that real like big beat electro organ drums, like Chemical Brothers Exit Planet Dust kind of a sound to it. And I was like, oh, I'm interested to see where this is going. And then for me, it just kind of if it was asthmatic, the rest of the song was just kind of out of air for me. Interesting ideas, but didn't quite click. I uh, gave it a few more listens. My original note was uh, interesting ideas, but doesn't do much for me in terms of wanting to listen to it again. And I did listen to it again a few times and Sadly, that note still remains the same for me. Uh, but just quick side story. It did remind me of a band, and I couldn't remember the name of the band from the mid-2000s. I spent close to 30 minutes typing in random pieces of words I could remember from song titles or maybe the band name. And eventually, I resorted to purchasing coins on Reddit for the first time to ask a few music communities. If I just throw this Rorschach blot of words at you, can you figure out what band I'm trying to talk about? And it was Go Team. Uh, okay. It had Go Team kind of vibes to it to me and i quite like go team although i apparently completely forgot their name uh good ideas just didn't come together for me though yeah yeah the go team stuff nice sample based uh big bt stuff right it's some nice stuff what about philip does this do anything for you so it took me a bit of a while with this it wasn't doing anything for me first couple of listens um at first first listen i thought it might be a skit where uh, it was just kind of weird recordings that they did stitch together but um I, I must admit last night when i was giving it a, uh, some final listen through there was when it gets into the the, the grooves which is that other song isn't it that you mentioned at the start it, it is quite nice there's a, a nice groove going on it is is of that fall do house type vibe there's a glut of these types of songs isn't there um but this is not uh, it doesn't have anything as lo-fi or plinky as some of those other songs and it, it sounds like it's been better produced and i wonder if it suffers a little bit because of that but 
I did I did get into it last night, but it's 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 not a heavy hit. I might get a little bit more love, but yeah, I do. I, I feel somewhat the same way that that on my own pianos, which were done in a more low key way on the song on my own by itself, which which was quite nice. I don't think it works as much with a full band. The uh, melodica or whatever it is is one of the nicest kind of things and uh, I do like the drums they're kind of open and percussive all the way through and there's some nice clanging ride stuff at the end Mez is kind of dropping in and out it could have worked really well if they turned up the dub kind of aspect to it I think but uh, it didn't in the end uh, really hit home Alistair what about for you? The, the skip vibe kind of feel to it at the beginning uh, where it's sounding a bit kind of like they're all pissed in a beer garden doing some sort of hitman and her type thing but it gets better in uh, some definitely falsetto vocal bits so uh, it's uh, very amusing I always uh, encourage that kind of behaviour it's good but you see it just sounds like it's it is a studio based thing you know it's something they've cobbled together like it's a bit of a filler like but it's, it's a, a decent filler if you know what I mean it still has that M people type piano that I'm not dead keen on sort of like can throughout it but yeah the drums have a, a groove that's okay I also quite like the uh, melodica quite like uh, Augustus Pablo and his, uh, his work I did make that note that they were the housey pianos and then Augustus Pablo wanders in at some point um, now I don't know if you know about the uh, beer engine in Wigan Alistair and once when we were there and the, the fellow who owned it he talked about uh, this hard working band who came in and they had this this little wee singer and she was hoofing the amps all around and up and on the stage and you know who that was Alistair no I don't know who that was it was the M people was it no he told us that story in which to impress us it was I, I, I stood on her foot once in a pub in Wigan because she went out with um, Sean Edwards Sean Edwards right they had their moment in the Sunday M people nice nice big tunes what about I didn't Tim? deliberately stand on her foot oh, it God. was accidental I'm sure Phil will give you the benefit of the doubt who was M people. Mike yeah. Pickering was M people, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was also in a band on Fat Trick in the 80s called Quango Quango. Mm. Uh, I think we've done something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's a Hacienda type, wasn't he? What about uh, Tim 3? Does he have a lot of time for this? Tim 3, what are your views? He's put, because I'm on my own, I'm on my own, I'm on my own, etc. That's That one's better than this one, but this is okay too. I like the breakbeats sort of feel and the discordant synth stops. Good, good. Then let's take a vote. Um, Robert? The Reckoning. Very good. Correct answer. Alistair? I'm reckoning on the reckoning. Very good. Ezra? Well, you know that house thing? Oh, yeah. Everybody but myself. It was all about, was all about new labour at the time, wasn't it? And M people, they weren't the main offenders. It was that Dream organisation, I believe. Things can so, only get better. Yes. And, and unfortunately, oh, yeah. here I am representing the voice of truth and facts. No, they can't get better. They can only get worse. If the last 10 years has taught us anything, it's that things can only get worse. And so for that reason, I'm voting for the house you want. Very good. Your reckoning will come sometime, Mr. Lefty. But in the meantime, I'm also voting for the reckoning. Philip? So what does, what does that make the scores? No, I'm just... Oh, it's done. It's done and dusted, mate. Nothing you can do. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be the reckoning, really. What about Timmy? He three two reckoning. Aye, reckoning as it should be. Although because... I would have lied if the if the scores had gone slightly different, I would have lied about what you bought. <laughs> I know. No. I get, that's why I get him to send me his scores and a backup just in case. <laughs> Still haven't quite earned that trust yet. 
Philip. We're only 40 odd episodes in. Uh, so it comes down to the last, last showdown of the evening, which is False Sound off uh, Reformation Post TLC 2007 against another song. the question what do the fall sound like is answered with two words joy division <laughs> robert what do you make of this fall sound i like that you mentioned joy division because that was the first thing i thought was like oh this sounds like an amped up joy division and uh originally i said that uh I feel like this song has all the right pieces. And Brennan, I've often heard you say in the show that sometimes a better mix may have served it. And actually, I agree. And it just so happens there is an alternative version that I actually like much more than this album version. Uh, it had many more weird electronic noises throughout it. The recording quality itself did sound like early Joy Division, like the actual same production uh, touches to it and it was released on their uh, red box set the fall in 76 to 2007 but i'm sure all you guys know that yeah interesting tune because it showed up off and on 2006 to 2009 and then 12 times on their final tour in 2017 and in fact it was actually the 12th last song that marky e. smith ever performed it showed up on the very last show's uh, set list i think it was three songs into the night or so i think it's a beautiful kind of a mess. I do like it, um, but it did leave me wondering what is the fall sound he's referencing because it seems too on the nose to actually be about the band or have I totally missed the plot on this one? It's hard to say because I asked you this week if you could guess which song was written with a band that was hastily put together after the previous one fell apart. And it was this one, as the album title gives um, it gives away. I don't know if you can guess what the TLC in the reference Information Post TLC stands for. Not at that stage of my fall fandom career yet. It stands for traitors, liars, and cunts, which is how he described the band that left him and that left him high and dry. Whether or not he's actually said, play a fall song, I'm sure the, the conversation happened around this time of like, what does the fall what is the fall sound? Because um, the guy who joined Tim Presley was, he's, he's pretty knowledgeable about kind of like um, the various genres of rock. But uh, let's see what these lads have to say. Alistair, what do you make of fall sound and what is fall sound? Well, it sounded to me like he was saying false sound. So a little bit of a play on words, but I'm probably wrong. It reminds me a bit of Noi uh, in some respects. Um, just like the, the mechanical, just going at it kind of type thing. I was wondering if it was going on about band sounding like the fall, which I think you said that it sounds like Joy Division. I, I put whilst sounding like a forest by the cure at times. Do you like the gurry vocals on the, on the, um, that's always a lot of fun. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a groovy riff, 
but it's a bit predictable and it just goes on a bit too long, I think. Aye. Pip, what's, what about you? What is false sound? What is false sound? It's me and your granny on bongos, isn't it? It's not the worst song on the album. Not a great album. Uh, probably my least favourite. I agree with Al. It's a bottom tier riff. There's, there's lots of energy about the song. There's loads of energy going into it. It just feels a bit aimless. It feels like it's the direction that it's missing, really. But everyone's committed. Everyone's kind of throwing everything in the kitchen sink at it. You, you, can, you can hear Mark rummaging around in his kit bag, can't you, for all the vocal trills and hooks and all that that he's throwing in there. It's like one idea that just gets... It's like those episodes of South Park that's one joke and it's just a build-up to one big joke, isn't it? And everything, everything's kind of riding on that. Um, and whilst if I was half cut at a festival and they were playing it, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be disappointed because it's the type of thing you can just jump around to. As a critical listen like this, it's it's paper thin. There's not, there's no really here to grab onto, is there? It's just. It's a bit fur coat, no knickers. It's certainly not the worst song on Reformation Post Chelsea. It might actually be the best song on that album in terms of songs. Considering we put Das Boot and Insult Song through and everything else has gone out, I think. But yeah, Ezra, what is false sound? I think it's great. And yeah, you know, I'm glad that I don't have this like weird kind of riff hierarchy, rainbow riff hierarchy in my head that you guitar type people seem to have because all I ever look for in, in a riff is, is it pummeling? If yes, good. If no, turn it off. And it's hilarious, you know, like you've just split up with your long legged rat chick because your daddy had a stroke in the tub, took your funds out of your bank balance, full sound. I've seen POWs, less only beer passes my throat, hit it, no guitars, dead mob, full sound, no 80s reprobates, full sound, no laptop wankers overground with full sound. It's a business line, not a chat line. <laughs> it's gold. It's gold. It's fantastically great. It's a, it's a business line, not a chat line, did I've been stitches when I caught that yesterday, yeah. The riff is functional, at least. Uh, I mean, surely you guitar snobs will at least grant me that. It, it, it functions. Is. It is. That's all you need. At least that's they all did, I need. They did play the riff in the song. <laughs> it, is, it is meat and several potatoes. And I'm with Ezra. I'm glad I'm not as judgmental as you hierarchical guitar cunts. You're not even allowed into our county gang. <laughs> um, so uh, the annotated fall did throw up via some um, interview somebody attempting to describe what fall sound was his band members write the majority of music and some of it all comes out sounding like the fall it's a fascinating phenomenon music musicians who seemingly aren't brilliant songwriters in their own right uh, judging by their non-fall products bang out some riffs present them to mez who shapes them into fall songs and more often than not they work in fact against all reasonable expectations Expectations, a good many classics actually result from this process. And to this day, Mez insisting that fall members cannot be great songwriters without him because something will always be missing. He went on to specify it isn't the vocals or lyrics, it's just that he knows how to make people write great songs. Maybe that's it. He, we talk about him as the band leader and the shaping, and it's like these lads walked in, and within a few months, he'd whipped them in <laughs> into making the worst album of his career. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, doesn't this album prove that wrong? <laughs> Asterisk, except Reformation post TLC. Then he went on to write a book 
or ghostwrite a book or have <laughs> ghostwritten a book he did talking go- about how it was the best album of his <laughs> Very good, very good. Anybody not giving their opinion yet? Tim Three's not. He's going to fucking Tim hate this. Yeah, he's, he'll hate this. What's he saying? He's put one of the better ones from this album. <laughs> <laughs> the theme though or at least it sounds like it has a bit of life in it a bit annoyingly self-referential though shows a poverty of ideas not too bad not good though a poverty of ideas it's, it, it is telling of this album that his song describes having a poverty of ideas is ranking in the top a few songs <laughs> 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 All right, now it is up against Trust in Me or Fall Heads Roll 2005. <laughs> short shrift in the in the rigby house that song does it go on then phil well it's that it just doesn't sound like the fall who's singing it so it is four different people one of them was simon ding archery was bass and, and production and then three other lads who were something to do with the studio record company apparently smith walked over and said have a go I looked at the paper and there was a handwritten scroll. I looked up at Mark, unsure of what he was asking while Elaine sat in the corner chuckling. He proceeded to wave his hands at me. He wants you to sing it, shouted Elaine in no uncertain terms. Well, what could I say? This is the second song tonight sung by a man called Kenny. (laughs) The only two songs, so Rob, you're, you're blessed to have a quarter of your songs and not sung by Marky Smith. But yes, Phil, that was a very long answer. Yeah, no, because it just doesn't sound like a fault song. It's uh, I thought it was Queens of Stone Age had come on, to be totally honest with you. And musically, it doesn't sound like a fault. Vocally, it's obviously not him. So I was kind of scratching my head a little bit as to how to approach this. It's all right, though. It's an all right tune. And if it came on the if it came on the radio or in the car, I, I probably wouldn't switch it <laughs> off. I'd probably listen to the end. It's, it's not ticking my fault boxes yeah it's it's a weird one that i i agree it actually has got a nice post-punky kind of indie 90s vibe to it or 2000s vibe doesn't sound like it would fit on fall heads has this weird kind of set of vocals on it but it is smith's lyrics uh, something to do with doctors and x-rays and giving them away for free it's a nice tune but yeah is it the fall are we going to put the first non-Smith song, song through? Mm. Alistair, what do you think? I quite like it. It's uh, not a bad little tune. It's atmospheric. Uh, like the simple uh, surfy kind of guitar hook line. It's in the uh, just on kind of uh, rhythm, uh, which is dead minimal. Yeah, I was surprised to sort of like that there's no Smith on there, like which, you know, it's a bit of a detraction and it does make it sound like a completely different band. I thought the vocals were a bit on the loud side and you could have got it a bit more in the red, uh, believe it or not. But yeah, it reminds me a bit of the Pixies, especially like the surfy guitar. Like, um, and, uh, there's a bit of 
Sonic Youth. Uh, it reminds me of, uh, you know, probably Pavements as well. But yeah, there's some nice sort of discordant rhythm guitar on there. Nice tune. Simon Archer went on to play with um, the Pixies. He joined the Pixies for a while around um, when they first did that awful first comeback album. <laughs> he was also in Polly Harvey's band, which is why she did that great um, cover of Janet, Johnny and James that we listened to a while back. Uh, Ezra, what do you reckon? Yeah, well, you know, I'm not sure the riff really works for me, but I don't know anything about riffs. As you've evidenced in the last song. Oh, yeah, it's not your area. <laughs> we don't expect you to. Yeah, it's not my bot. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you know, to, to echo what everyone else is saying, like, it it, it, it does, does not sound like the fall. The tough part was, you know, the, the opening lyrics, verdant is your superlative. You can talk to me in all confidentiality. Trust in me. I am Dr. Me. Which I really love. But, yeah, you know... Sounds good, but it's not full sound. Full no sound. laptop bankers with long legs. Exactly. Dr. Me, Dr. Mark Edward. Messengers enjoy being given gifts every three weeks. If you need an x-ray, I'll come round to your house and do them for free. Robert, what about this one? A left field last choice. I'm actually glad I'm kind of going at the end here to hear you guys talk about it first. Song never performed live. This was actually the one I liked the least after my first listen through but it's actually now the one that's grown on me the most changing from didn't like at first listen to actually quite enjoying now listening with headphones there are actually a lot of really little small tricks going on with the guitars like fading in and out that uh weren't obvious to me just listening through the old stereo speakers alistair i couldn't agree more with the idea of the pixies thing one of my notes was this sounded like a mashup you know where someone takes like the vocals from acdc and puts them over like just dance or something like that i felt this sounded like a mashup of a minor keyed and major keyed pixies song put together like one song off you know surfer rosa and then one song off of like something else and then just pasted together you guys have all hit on this but i guess i'll try and throw my two cents on here you know if it's me and your granny on bongos it's the fall is it still the fall without any me, without any Marky Smith, aside from having penned the lyrics for it? I guess this is a good litmus test for like, if the song was by another band, would we like it? Uh, and is Marky Smith the glue here? And uh, yeah, I was kind of curious, like, why do you think Mark trusted, no pun intended, these other folks with this tune and slapping the fall name on it. I don't know if it was just through laziness or what, but he's, he's you know, putting the work to, to write the lyrics. Occasionally, he did, there was stuff that was put out that didn't have Smith's vocals on there. Um, the Book of Lies. Scanlon what? actually cites that in, in The Old Brother. He says that he just couldn't be asked singing The Book of Lies. And, and that's the criticism that people give. But I don't know whether he made that decision that this would fit better with someone else's voice or he didn't like the song very much or... or... I'm trying to get the timeline here, but this would be uh, Fall Heads Roll, right? Is that the name of the... Yeah, Heads Roll. Yeah, the album. 2005. This is 2005. So would these be the TLCs that he then calls out on the next album that yeah. he just trusted <laughs> with the vocal duties on the previous album? No, none of those lads, the four are the ones that played in the band. They're all studio guys and, and stuff. So no, the TLCs uh, were maybe playing the music on this, but they weren't singing. But yes, that would be good. All righty. So what does Timothy think? Uh, another piffy comment from Tim Twire of Nice Placebo Truck. Aye, aye. All right. So we're coming to the last vote of the evening. It is Fall Sound versus Trust in Me. Philip? 
Against my better judgment, I'm going to have to go for false sound. Aye, aye. Okay. Ezra? I'm totally in tune with my better judgment, my, my higher being, and I'm going for false sound. Aye, aye, aye. Alistair? I'll try and adjust the balance a little bit and go for trusting me. Fair enough. Robert? Bring in an unconventional guest into your democracy and get unconventional votes. Uh, really love me. Trust in me after several listens. All right. Timothy? Also one. Trust nil. I am also going for false sound. Although I did like Trust in Me, I don't think it's really a false song in the same sense. If I'd heard it on Peel, I would have loved it, been on a mixtape. I do kind of like the driving false sound. I don't know if either of these are going all the way though. What that means is Container Drivers, Popcorn Double Feature, The Reckoning and False Sound. So we put a cover through, but we didn't put a song sung by somebody else. So uh, half of your mission accomplished there, Robert. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thanks for doing what you do and letting me be part of it today with you. All right. Well, I shall see you real soon, and I'm hoping I see all y'all soon. Next week, we've got a special. It covers Middle Class Revolt. All the best, Light like User Syndrome Era post-Bush, as we like to call it. Um, all right, chaps. Have a good evening. Take care. I shall see you soon. See you soon. Just all too painfully felt.